In the gospel today, our blessed Lord, he, he says these hard words, right? these things that don't exactly line up with the nice Jesus that we're, you know, taught often uh, in our catechism, perhaps, or, you know, the Jesus that the culture says, you know, is always kind of, you know, he's a very, very smiley fella, and oftentimes at art, you know, in contemporary art, he has little blonde highlights to just show his adaptability and relatability, right? You know, that he's, that he's one of us, huh? And yet, this pleasant Jesus also says, to everyone who has more will be given, and he will grow rich from the one who has not, even what he has will be taken away. And throw this useless servant into the darkness outside, where there will be wailing and grinding of teeth. It's passages like that that make some people really uncomfortable with this Jesus. And so much so that they would rather just kind of ignore those passages, and some will outright ignore them and just kind of never really go to them, but others will, will try to explain it away, you know, with how sad it is in the last hundred years. So many Scripture scholars have, rather than breaking open the riches of the Scripture, their main task has actually been to try to cast doubt on the entire thing, to be able to look at it and go, well, we didn't have voice recorders, we didn't have cameras, you know, to record, so we don't know exactly what Jesus said, so maybe St. Matthew is embellishing a bit here, maybe the fish he caught this big was kind of, you know, stretching it out a bit, right, one of those kinds of things, or, or maybe he misheard him, you know, maybe it was, you know, it was a large crowd that day, and, you know, he's, he, you know, he kind of mixed things up, or, you know, he's, he's writing 20 years later, so uh, who knows how reliable these things are, right? So that's their, their, their reasoning, is, is basically, we can't really take anything Jesus says in the Gospels at his word, because it's not a, a, a perfect medium that we can rely upon still today. And that's just silly, because we do this with a thousand other things, and yet so many people want to cast doubt upon the Gospels, which, parenthetically, have the most manuscripts of any ancient documents in the world. You know, we've got these philosophical works that people go and, and have recourse to, and they'll, you know, they'll read, you know, Plato and Aristotle and, and these kinds of things, and, and they'll be, you know, they'll, they'll put, you know, sink deep, deep roots into these, into these philosophical works, and, you know, they, you know, we, how can we trust them? Uh, there are ten copies of them in the extant in the world. Well, and then we look at the gospel, there are literally thousands of copies from the time of the early church from the time of our Lord, and, and you know, the, the, right after the time of our Lord, when the apostles were writing these things and the, and the gospel was spreading like wildfire, thousands of copies. And yet so many people doubt. So many people would, would say, we can't really trust these things. And yet they're true. And the reason they don't want to trust it is because the things that Jesus tells us sometimes are hard things. They don't mesh with a, a nice, pleasant Jesus. They challenge us a bit, and that's good. It's good for us to be challenged because the way, of, the way to heaven is, is not simply a, you know, a, a pleasant walk in the park. It's the narrow path. It's the one that is, is difficult. It tries us a bit. It tests us to ensure that we're actually loving the Lord and not just doing things because we love ourselves and get something out of the deal. It's for us to live our faith and to allow it to, to, to radiate all around us. And this is part of what our Lord is speaking to us today. 
is he comes here and, and he gives this, this teaching. Those who have will get more. Those who have not, even what they have will be taken away. And we can look at this, and, and many people will appropriate this to, to kind of the social justice realm, right? So immediately look at this in, in economic terms. The rich get richer, the poor get poorer, right? The, the divide between the two continues to increase. And, and, you know, just basically speaking about it from those terms. But this is not what our Lord is speaking of. He's speaking about the talents that he has bestowed upon us. If, it, if that last section was just by itself, we could perhaps think that he was making an economic statement of things. But he's speaking about the reality of these, of these individuals who have received blessings from the Lord. They've received their talents, which is both, for us in English, a, uh, it is both a, a financial thing, so it's a, a currency, but it's also a gift, a skill set, right? These kinds of the, the talents that we think of, um, that we possess. And so our Lord, He's not looking, he's not looking for, for financial advice. He's not bestowing financial advice for us. He's looking for spiritual fruits. He's looking whenever the, whenever the one comes who says, you know, out of, out of fear, I buried your coin. Here it is back. And the response, the response of the master is, you could have at least gotten some, some interest off the thing. You could have at least put it in the bank and, you know, it would have grown a bit. And again, our Lord's not looking for, for interest. He's not looking for the financial piece. Because the fact is that whenever we come to serve our Lord, whenever we allow ourselves to be used by him, the talents that he appropriates to us, that, that, he, that he bestows upon us, when we use them, when we allow him to use them, really, through us and to do things through us, it's then that fruit comes forth. The five makes another five. The two makes another two. But the one who out of fear doesn't allow the Lord to work in him, nothing happens. No change whatsoever. The gift is totally unopened. And this is the sadness of the heart of Jesus here. It's because the money that we're speaking of in the story are spiritual fruits. The Lord came to be able to set the world on fire. He came to, to be able to share the love of God the Father and to be able to, to make children of God the Father, sons and daughters of the Lord and Himself. This is what He desires. And when we hold back on our talents, when we hold back on the things that have been bestowed upon us by the Lord, it shortchanges God first and foremost by not bringing forth into the kingdom those who would be served by him. But also, it shortchanges us and the others around us. Because to allow our talents to be of use is to build up the body of Christ, is to build up the world, which is simply to fulfill our own vocation, and namely to, to work on the path of salvation for ourselves, but also to work for the salvation of others and to bring the name of Jesus to other people to allow them to hear the gospel, to know the goodness of knowing Jesus, to know the goodness of the faith and the sacraments and the life of prayer, to know that it means something for us. But if we don't use our talents, very quickly these things will pass by. Opportunities where something may have happened, where the Lord may have gained a soul for himself and may have gotten a buy one, get one that day by winning us to himself too, is lost. And this is the great lamentation of Jesus. This is why he bestows upon us the gifts in the first place, as they are not for our use. St. Paul tells us also in the scriptures, he says, the things that we have received are not for our own use, but are for the edification of the body, the building up of the body. 
to serve one another. Unless we think that this is only like a, a church-exclusive thing, the church herself has reminded us today that it's not simply a, a ministry and church type of thing. Certainly, this is a necessary part. It's a, an important part that, that we ha- be active in the church community, that we be involved in some particular manner, uh, whether in ministries or by prayers or by you know, association with some activities, these kinds of things. It's good to be a, an active part of the body and not just, you know, kind of a, a lame leg. We're just kind of dragging behind us along the way. It's good to be active. But first and foremost, to be active in your homes. The first reading today and in, in, in the, in the, the psalm as well, these are not things that, that are specifically speaking to, you know, activity in the body of the church. They're speaking to husbands and wives. Where is it that, that your talents ought to be put to use first and foremost? In your home, for one another. This is where God has, has set you. In your own home, the, the people who are immediately around you, these are the ones who have been entrusted to you by the Lord. St. John Paul II would, uh, spoke on a number of occasions of, of givenness, of having been entrusted to another person and them to you, that the Lord has, has given you each other to be able to continue to grow in faith, to grow in love for the Lord and for one another. And this is what family life is meant to be, a husband entrusting his, his heart to his wife, a wife continuing to do the same in response to her husband to be able to take what has been given. In the, in the, in the, the reading, it speaks of, you know, being able to, uh, to basically to, to make clothing well, right? That's a gift, right? It does something for a husband. It clothes her husband, right? But all of us, it, it doesn't mean we have to go out and make clothes, but it's to be able to do something so that in some manner the other is clothed in holiness, clothed in virtue, clothed in prayer, that they're encouraged in faith, that they're strengthened in virtues. This is the meaning of the whole of family life. It's for that reason that St. John Paul also spoke of the church as a domestic church. The home is a domestic church. It's a place where the body of Christ is present, but, but in a simple way, just as a family, a husband, a father, the children, all gathered around as a symbol of the church, a symbol of Christ himself with the Father and the, and the Holy Spirit. And so it's for us to recognize these things. And the great gift, the great gift that we have today is no matter where we have been, no matter if we have, if we have kind of unopened our talents, if we have squandered them entirely, whatever the place we find ourselves in today, as far as the talents that have been entrusted to us, if you have ears to hear in a sense, right, to, if, we are, if we are alive and breathing in this moment, we are able to know that repentance is possible and beginning again an option. This is the great gift of the Lord and His mercy for us, is until we breathe our last, we can always choose to begin again and to follow Him with our whole heart and to allow Him to make use of us in whatever way it is that He desires. No matter our age, no matter our state in life, no matter the situation in which we find ourselves, the Lord is always patient and willing to work with us if we're willing to respond to Him. And so pray the grace of the Lord to be with us today, to open our hearts to Him more and more by the grace of the sacraments, to help us to love Him more and more, and to allow Him to show us those places in us where talents are present, 
and how it is that we might best use them to serve one another and to glorify our God.